Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, the Rated R Superstar, Edge. And now, here's your host, Rob Paspani. Thank you, me. It's me. It's Rob back with another Squared Circle Pit. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have one of our biggest guests ever today, Edge. I'm not going to waste too much of your time. We're going to get to the interview in a moment. I just want to welcome any new listeners to Squared Circle Pit. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking this out. The show is about the intersection between heavy metal and professional wrestling. And I invite you to go to metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit and check out some of our archives. We have so many great guests in our archives. Our previous guest was the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. You can hear all about his favorite rock and metal bands. And previous guests include guys like John Moxley, comedian Brian Posehn. We've had Chris Jericho on. We've had Rowan. We've had NXT superstar Rick Boogs, Chris Jericho, Mick Foley, Raven. So many big guests in the past and from the music world. I've spoken to wrestling fans like Slipknot's Corey Taylor, Maynard from Tool, Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Lots of cool guests. Go to metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit to check out all the archives. My guest is the rated R superstar, Adam Edge Copeland. We talked for almost an hour and it was an incredible conversation. Uh, I talked to Edge about how he got into wrestling, how he got into rock, how rock was in his life. And uh, a lot of really, really cool little tangents we go off on. And at the end, you know, I, I can't help but fanboy out a little and ask him a few wrestling questions, a, a few things about uh, his wrestling past uh, and and a few things that I remember that I wanted to ask him about. And Edge was an inc- like an unbelievable interview. He was so, so good. And uh, I thank him very much for the time he gave us. And let's get to our Edge interview and if you like this interview, please give us a follow, Squared Circle Pit. No E in Circle on Twitter, but yes, E on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a follow. I'm Rob Injection. Here is Edge. I'll be back at the other end of this interview with some thoughts on the current wrestling scene. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, we have a man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He is an 11-time WWE champion and a Hall of Famer and a rock guy. I'm here with Adam Edge Copeland. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, dude. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is going to be fun. Um, you know, I, I talk wrestling all the time, but I don't get to talk music all the time. Um, and if I do, I usually end up boring my wife because I go into the minutia of things and she's like, okay, I get it. I get <laughs> it. I love music too, but enough. So this is great. Awesome. Well, I'm all about the minutia of music, so feel free to rant as much as you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my first question uh, is, what did you get into first? Was it rock music or pro wrestling? Which hit you first? Uh, it was actually rock music. And I got really lucky in that my mom and my uncles, who were all relatively close in age to me, all listened to really cool music. And that, that filtered to me. So, you know, my earliest memories, my mom introduced me to the Beatles she really introduced me to Zeppelin and Zeppelin hit me early on. She also listened to the doors to America. And then, you know, my uncles were listening to cheap trick and queen and Boston and just a lot of really great seventies rock bands. Um, so they got me hooked on all that stuff, but my first discovery of my own and really, I guess my gateway. And I've realized that it seems to be a lot of people's gateway into metal was kiss. And the minute I saw them, I just, I couldn't really comprehend what I was seeing, but it, it hooked me um, to the point where, you know, there's pictures of me running around in a little powder blue kiss destroyer t-shirt at three years old. I had a little plastic red and white fender. Like I, I wanted to be Ace Freeler, Paul Stanley. And that was my first indoctrination, I think, into, you know, heavier music. And they were mine. 
you know, that was my discovery. My uncles and everything, they thought they were okay, but, you know, Kiss was, was purely mine. And thankfully, my mom was cool enough to go, all right, I get it. And, and this guy likes them. The only thing that was ever, you know, kind of mentioned with a warning was Black Sabbath. Sabbath was the band that was like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't know. They kind of scare me. This was my mom. And, um, and then when I heard them, I understood it. I was like, oh, my God, this just sounds like evil incarnate. And I, I want to find out more about it. <laughs> what was the album or the, the song? Do you remember the first Sabbath uh, stuff that you? Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And, oh. and just, I, I just remember being scared. But at the same time, intrigued, like I knew I was going to come back to it. I I knew it was too much for me at that point, but I knew I was going to circle back to this thing because one day I'd fully grasp and not, not be scared off by it. That's cool. Yeah, like all of these bands, it's funny, like I got into kind of later in my, not like the classic because I didn't have uh, an older uh, sibling or an uncle or anyone to kind of show me the way. I had to find my own way. Uh, so it's cool. Yeah. Those, those were your intros because for me, I had to go back and be like, well, let me let me get into the stuff that all the bands I like, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I got in so early and so young that I almost had to do that with the maidens and the Metallicas of the world, because I was still listening to their influences and not really up to speed on them until like a couple of years after. And I went, well, hold on a second. They just took this thing and, and, and raised the stakes. Yeah. That's cool that, that you went in a chronological order. So what are some of the bands that you listen to now? What are your current jams stuff that you visit? Oh man. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of all over the place, but metal is always going to be in there. And for me, especially when I'm working out, I, I just have to. There has it has to be like there's no there's no folk music, you know. I, I love you know Pearl Jam and Tom Petty and things like that, but they're not going to be on my workout list. So, you know, there's probably going to be some early Crew. Um, there's going to be some Aussie. There's definitely going to be Pantera. Uh, Seven Dust, um, you know, Soundgarden. Um, I love Thin Lizzy, and I don't know if you can consider them metal per se, but I think they influenced Maiden and Priest and and so many bands with the dual guitar attack that you know I just I love Thin Lizzy. Um, you know, Alterbridge, Mark Tremonti, man, Tremonti's solo stuff is always going to be uh, on on my playlist. Uh, you know, White Zombie, especially early White Zombie there's always going to be some black label society, you know, cause Zach Wilde is just a complete madman, and I love him. So it's, you know, Amanda Mars are always going to be on there. They're, I guess my them and machine head, I guess might be my most current metal um, bands that I've kind of picked up along the way. I don't know how current you can call them, but they're still putting out music currently. Anthrax, man, oh, early cult. Um, you know, faith no more. Again, there's debate. Are they metal? Are they? But they, they definitely have elements. Metal. Yeah. Right. Um, Slipknot. I mean, the stuff that they do. It's so progressive yet so melodic, which can be such a fine balance to find. Yeah. Behemoth. Behemoth is probably my new version of Sabbath. <laughs> I guess <laughs> in that, if you listen to it, you could be scared. <laughs> they are. They are. They're. They're definitely bringing up the evil potion for for modern acts for sure yeah yeah and they have they they have the imagery and everything like their live show is very much an experience like it's it's very immersive it's not just like you know four guys on stage playing their instruments it's it's almost as if they're playing the characters of their you know created personas yeah it's a visual thing as well and same with slipknot it's very much a visual thing um it hits on a lot of different fronts you know and and i appreciate that especially like I said, Kiss being my, my, for lack of a better term, my gateway drug into heavy music, you know? Um, and, and I appreciate that. Like, I love the musicianship, but I love the fact that you're seeing a little bit more than that when, when you see bands like that. And I actually just caught uh, Behemoth and Slipknot on their, their last tour, um, you know, before the pandemic and everything hit. And uh, it was my first time seeing both bands. And I was just like, this is the apocalypse. 
it was it was great <laughs> yeah and like with slipknot especially i think they really got the visual like they always had the visual aspect of the of the performance down and it's it, it's like almost like you're going to the circus it's a whole visual presentation in addition to the music which adds to the music in life yeah, it absolutely does. And especially, I mean, you have a dude pounding on barrels with a baseball bat and it ju- it just looks like some kind of dystopian. Uh, it, it looks like the books I enjoy reading. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Do you ever go to these shows and kind of take something from the live aspect that you apply that you apply to pro wrestling? I've always patterned my my current incarnation of edge off of some rock act you know so there there's stars in there well that that's a throwback to paul and you know i always said the the rated r superstar version of edge was in my mind appetite for destruction guns and roses that 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 you know kind of dirty band of gypsies that you do not want your daughter going anywhere near no redeeming social qualities whatsoever. That was kind of my template for for that version of Edge, was thinking back to everything I'd read about GNR before they broke and just how how gnarly everything was. And an early Motley crew before, you know, Too Fast for Love hit or just as it was hitting kind of thing and that, that kind of vibe. But everything down to my trench coats and my gear um, even my current design on my gear, it's a skull thrown up the, you know, the, the horns. It's all very rock and metal influenced because that's what I dig. And there's always going to be a little bit of Adam injected into what Edge is as a presentation. And I pull that from my musical influences. That's really cool. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. GNR thinks I'm glad that you you touched on that. So and uh for me, I think there there's oh, there's a huge connection between rock music and pro wrestling. They just go hand in hand, and I feel like, as you've just described, you're kind of the epitome of that connection, where there's so so many things in common that both industries can learn from. You know, like Axl Rose was a great heel, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and he pushed buttons, and and you know Marilyn Manson did too. I mean Alice Cooper, uh, you know. Uh, Arthur Clark, like there's so many musicians that that visually presented and pushed buttons, um, and that goes hand in hand with wrestling. You know, that's part of her job is to push those emotional buttons. But I, I really draw a lot to the point where you know, theme music to me is one of the most important aspects of Edge, and it always has been. You know, because one of my vices, my only vice on the road was reading and listening to music. So all of my plane trips, I had music. And if, if I just needed a break from music, then I was reading. So it was always, it was always influencing what I was doing. So when it came time to pick music, I didn't initially like my, my first theme music. And when I realized I needed to be more hands-on with things, that's when, you know, I got Rob Zombie. And then eventually that's when I got Alter Bridge. And to me, it, it sets the entire tone. As soon as that first chord or that first first drum hits, that to me, it, it colors everything from that point forward. It, it, actually, it absolutely sets the pace. It sets the tone because I knew sitting there in that audience, anytime I would hear that riff of Real American or something, I was up on my seat. And I wanted to make sure that fans now have that experience when Edge comes out. So, uh, you know, it needed to be heavy. It needed to be something that, that was melodic, too, that you could sing along to. And when, when Mark uh, Tremonti and I, you know, kind of stumbled on each other at a, a Metallica show, and I heard just his initial, uh, with him singing Metalingus, I went, dude, when I come back, because I was out with a neck injury at the point, I was like, when I come back, can I use that? And he went, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then in that time, uh, he got Miles. And then I heard it with Miles, and I was like, oh, my God. Yes, this is happening. And so the, from that day forward, it was just, it was my music. It will always be my music. There's a reason it always wins these 
you know, greatest wrestling entrance themes of all time. It's because it's just, it works on so many levels to the point where I'd come back through the curtain and most of the locker room would be singing on this day. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's hitting it. It's sticking. This is working. It's such an earworm. <laughs> yeah. It just gets in there and you can't get it out. And it also marks your face off too. So there's that. <laughs> Before Alter Bridge, Mark Tremonti was in Creed. And I feel like there was kind of like a, like everyone was over Creed uh, <laughs> at that, that moment that like, uh, like it was like the very in thing to hate on Creed. And I think when, when you, uh, like you kind of helped make Alter Bridge cool, <laughs> I feel like, like you kind of helped them like, uh, shed the, the whatever like Creed hate there was, I feel just because, just because he, here you were a very cool character and, and you were kind of endorsing them. Well, and they sounded so different. You know, right. I, I think they went with what worked and, and those big power chords and those anthemic themes worked. I think there's a lot of Scott Stapp backlash. I think it's it's more Scott right. Stapp yeah. than it is per se. You know what I mean? So I think those guys went and, and really recreated themselves and recreated their style because if you listen to both bands, you wouldn't know that it's the same basis guitarist and drummer. They, they they took it to a different place. And uh but yet still write melodic things. And then when you have a singer with the capability of Miles, my God, I mean it, it I would just think that's so freeing as a songwriter to go, okay, well if we're writing it yeah, Miles can hit that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and to me it was just it's it's all in the music. If if the song is good, that's all that matters. And I heard that that first album sitting in Mark's house, and I went, "This is this is an amazing album." And again, it was with Mark singing at, at that point. He didn't think he was a strong enough vocalist. I was like, "Dude, you're a good singer. I don't know what you're talking about." Of course, then you hear it with Miles, and it, it's just <laughs> you know, it, it's it's insane. Yeah, and and I feel like with Mark Schwanney, he was always uh, kind of underrated as a guitarist because of like you said, like the Scott oh. Stapp backlash. Like even his solo album, I thought was like it had so many great riffs. Like this guy is a riff machine. Absolutely, uh, I think now finally he's starting to get his his just due. You know, I, I I think England was the first to catch on and really understand just how much of you know you hear that term guitar god but like i i've sat i've gone to multiple alter bridge shows and sat with mark beforehand and he's always practicing like there's not a point where i've not seen a guitar in his hands and you can't see his hands that's how fast he's he's moving and going but precise too it's it's one of those deals where you sit down with them and go, yeah, okay, well, I'm never going to pick up a guitar because why would you? When you see that, <laughs> it just, it's kind of insane, you know? And uh, I, I think, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to kind of sit and hang out and pick the brains of like him, of Zach Wilde and guys like this. And it's just, it just blows my mind to see how, just how damn good they are, you know? Uh, I interviewed Zach Wild for the show actually, and I was uh, a little taken aback at how big of a wrestling fan he was. Like, dude is legit into it. Like, oh yeah. Uh, when you guys hang out, is it like you kind of picking his brain about rock and him picking your brain yes. about wrestling? <laughs> Man, he's just he's constantly like going into Ultimate Warrior mode on me, <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm trying to find out, you know, like. Oh, okay. So what was my mom coming home? Like, what was that recording session? Like, no, what was, what was ultimate warrior? Like, right. so it, <laughs> it's kind of cool though. Cause we, we can meet in the middle on that. We both appreciate kind of what we do and we're both, he's much more of a mad band than me, but, um, <laughs> but I think we both appreciate our, our certain types of craziness. First of all, I want to say you are an absolutely easy interview. You went through like three questions of mine on that last response. Uh, I just want to add. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> no, it's great. It's, I, I love it. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little more about uh, Rob Zombie because, uh, like you mentioned, he was like the first, uh, your second theme, like after the original You Think You Know Me yeah. uh, theme. And for me as a teenager, there was nothing like as a, as a, like a new metal kid, 
<laughs> like a new metal 16 year old seeing you come out to rob zombie was just like all like it was the coolest thing ever to me and i'm assuming he already had that song written uh how did like what was it like hanging out with him because i know he's also a, a big wrestling fan like what what was that whole process like? very cool because it goes back even further than that i remember getting my first tattoo at this place in toronto called art of torture and it was the first time that i heard white zombie and it was last exorcisto and it was just I'm a, just that kind of lo-fi i couldn't even put my finger on what i was hearing but i was like this is amazing like this is has a groove and it and it moves and it makes you want to move which sometimes let's let's be honest metal will make you move certain ways but it doesn't always make you groove right and i think pantera has that but but white zombie definitely had that and i i just remember saying like hey can you flip that cassette again because this was in the days of cassettes <laughs> and uh i i was just i was hooked and then when i saw them because again visually you know, I'm, I'm big on, on the visual and I started seeing some of these videos and I went, Oh my God, this is amazing. So fast forward all these years later. And, um, I just took a stab in the dark. I was like, Hey, I was off of an injury. I forget which one. And I said, what about Rob zombie? Because he has a new album coming out. And I, I said to Kevin Dunn, who's you know basically the executive producer of WWE. I said, is that possible? He goes, well, let me find out following week i get an advanced cd with no label no nothing it's just four songs is what it says on it rob zombie and i'm like okay they said pick your song i went oh my god so i'm like this is amazing i got my discman i go up in the stands and i start listening to the four tracks and um i just never gonna stop seem to encompass what I felt like my character was it, he's just going to keep getting up. He's going to keep coming. And that to me was, was kind of my mindset on that. Um, also it, it, again, it just had that kind of groove that you wanted to bounce to it. And I, I always, you know, I, I just liked that. It was the same with the, the brood music. You know, there was just something that you kind of bounced to. Yeah, I and, still put um, that on. <laughs> I still so, just like listen to it. the the brood. That beat is just so just gets your neck going. You know, you can't help. <laughs> it does. It does. And if you watch the three of us, we didn't mean to do that. We were all just kind of. It would just hit us, and we'd start grooving to it. Um, You're vibing. So it, it, it was. <laughs> sorry, I said you. You guys were just vibing. <laughs> yeah basically um so it you know when i listen to those those four songs never gonna stop just it wasn't the heaviest but it, it seemed to fit the tone of what i wanted to present the best also i vaguely remember there was maybe like a music video or something where it's like a uh, rob zombie in concert and you come out and you're just <laughs> hanging out with the band on stage and like, I remember as a kid thinking like, that looks a little awkward, but still I would want to hang out with Rob Zombie on stage while he's performing. So, it's funny that you say that because, so it was in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And they said, you know, you're going to go to, to Rob. It was uh, when Rob and, and Ozzy, it was the Mary Mayhem tour. And I just thought I was going to meet Rob and I didn't really think much more of it. Right. So I'm back there. I already know Zach because he's been to shows. So I'm talking to Zach and now I'm talking to Sharon and she's asking if I can play guitar. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I meet Rob and, and meet his wife, Sherry, and we're sitting there talking and everything and really hitting it off. And he goes, okay. So I was thinking, what if you came out in your gear? And I was like, come out. He's like, yeah, I want you to come out on stage. I was like, Oh, my gear. And, and it, uh, immediately I was like, oh, that's going to be so awkward. But then I saw his stage and I'm like, I'm not going to be the weirdest thing up there. <laughs> there there's going to be far stranger things up there than a dude without a shirt on in a trench coat. So I went, you know, if, if it had been almost any other band, I would have went, ah, why don't we just do street clothes? But when you're up there, if I'd been in street clothes, I would have looked more awkward. So I just went all in and went, right, I'll go out there and um, sure, I'll just bang my head and run around the stage. <laughs> <laughs>
that that's a great point. Yeah, you can't. You you definitely didn't look like the weirdest thing on that stage for sure with all the no gizmos no. and I, everything. It, it was such an amazing stage set. I was like, well, I you know, I again, I would look more weird and awkward in my street clothes up there. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you know your family members got you into rock. What what music are you exposing your kids to? Because I know you have two kids. Yeah, you, so I, I'm not going down the full metal route with them yet. You know, we're we're kind of we're dipping our toes in. So they hear a lot of Pearl Jam and they hear a lot of Foo Fighters, which they call the Flu Fighters, um, <laughs> and they absolutely love Weezer. Weezer is their band. And I feel like that's a good introduction to some pretty crunchy guitars, but some really hooky, fun, you know, but yet I can still listen to rock and roll, which is great. You know, so we all sing along to it together. And um, so that that's kind of where we're starting there. And little by little, I'll start introducing them to the other stuff, you know, but they're always throwing up the the horns and you know, God, this this is what you do. And I'm like, well, no, that's what edge does. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sweet. I think that those are good uh, building blocks for future metalheads, you know, and yeah. then maybe in a few Again, years, you know, it was like, I, I, I started with queen and cheap trick and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. Those were the building blocks to then discover kiss to then go down the wormhole. Uh, well, switching gears a little to wrestling. I'm sorry. Uh, I do want to ask a few things, but uh, do you remember your first wrestling memory? Do you remember how you got into pro wrestling? Um, so the first, the first thing that I remember uh, that was that was wrestling was Pacific Northwest Wrestling, and uh, in Canada we got I got three channels at the time, but I got CKVR out of Barrie, Ontario, and they would show this thing called BC All Star Wrestling, based at British Columbia in Vancouver. Well, they would occasionally show these clips from Pacific Northwest Wrestling down in Portland. And I remember seeing this clip of Roddy Piper cutting a promo to the camera in these green and yellow kind of tartan trunks and smashing a bottle over his head. And I just remember not being able to take my eyes off of it. He just, his cadence, his energy, I went, I don't, I didn't understand what it was. Like, I didn't even know what I was watching. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And then about maybe two years, three years later, I saw a Hulk Hogan promo. And this was 84. We're, we're probably looking at like February of 84. And I went, oh my God, wait, hold on. And they were talking about Maple Leaf Gardens. I was like, Maple Leaf Gardens? I can go to Maple Leaf Gardens. Like, I, I can go see this? I did, I, it was not, it didn't make sense in my mind, but once it did, once I realized, wait, this is real life superheroes. I can go like possibly shake hands with these guys. This is a game changer. Now my world of comic books has just become, you know, this tangible thing. I can go see a guy that reminds me of the incredible Hulk. And I can go see somebody that can do stuff that Spider-Man might be able to do, but the real, and I can go see that. That was it. I, I was done at that point. That's awesome. I love it. And uh, do you like keep up with wrestling now? Like I know, like when it becomes like a job. <laughs> you know, you you've you've experienced it. You have decades of experience, but like, do you still kind of follow it as a fan? Do you watch? non WWE stuff to kind of keep up with what's going on. Like what is your interest level in the genre right now? It's, it's, it's weird because I was so, so, you know, eyeballs deep in it, you know, as a fan and then got in the industry and it was just, it was my everything. And when I was forced to retire, I, I really took, you know, uh, a step back. I, I felt like I needed to, because I was told I couldn't do it. So if I kept watching and I kept being as deeply engrossed in it as I was, I didn't know how healthy that was going to be. So I really, really pulled back. And uh, it wasn't until a little bit later on and, and Christian Jay started saying, you know, we, 
what if what if we did this show on the network and what if we did a podcast? So little by little, I started dipping my toes back in and there'd been enough time that it almost felt like this thing that was pulled away from me. I could now start to enjoy again. You know, I'd gone through my, my self therapy on it, I guess. And then you fast forward and, and I start, you know, the brain starts kind of percolating on this idea of like, wait, I'm, I'm doing these TV shows and I'm going through walls and I'm doing all, all of these fight scenes and I feel okay. Then I'm wiping out my mountain bike going downhill and all of this stuff. And that's when I started realizing maybe I could do this again, or maybe I, I've been told I can't. Then I start seeing doctors. They tell me I can. I was like, okay. So now being back in it and doing it again, I've really, you know, played catch up. I, I did before I got the clearance, but now that I have the clearance and I'm, I'm back, I'm watching, but I'm watching from a different um, perspective, I think, because now I'm watching to basically the study go, okay, I'm going to wrestle that guy one day. What's he do? All right. I'm going to wrestle him. I'm going to wrestle him, 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 him. So now I'm studying them and, and trying to pick apart and pull apart how I can fit into that and make that work within my style. And that's what I used to do when, um, you know, when I was training and trying to make it to WWE. And that's what I did all throughout my time with WWE, because I wanted to know what everyone on that roster did so that if Monday night I get there and I'm wrestling that person, I'm prepared. I'm ready. I, I got it. And that, that's what I'm doing now. And it's a whole new crop of people that I've never laid hands on. So it's really exciting in that regard. And it's got me, you know, watching again. Um, but again, not like I did as a fan, more like I did even, you know, when I was doing the acting in those nine years off, I started watching movies and shows and trying to peel apart why actors made certain choices that they made and why did they do this? And why did they do that? Why would the director use this shot? That's, how I'm looking at wrestling more like a research. Yeah. 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 Just studying and trying to peel apart and, and ask myself why this made me feel this way and have a garner this reaction. And, and that's really, it's a lot of fun actually. And you were mentioning like the, even the cameras, like I noticed even with the, uh, the match you had with uh, Randy Orton most recently, how you guys had a few unique shots, which, you know, <laughs> cause a little controversy but like it was cool to be like you guys are trying something new why not you know like let, let, let's let's push the genre we tried a bunch of them but it didn't really work to me and and it was it was my idea so i was like okay i got this idea and now's the time to try it because there's no audiences so we did the match we did it and then we went back to try a couple of these shots just to see if they'd work uh when i saw them i was like ah we don't need them we don't need them at all, but I guess Vince liked them. So two of them stayed in and I almost want to do like a Zack Snyder director's cut without <laughs> it's all of a second in total. I think it's like half a second one and then half a second. The other, um, we did the superplex all straight through the cameraman dove in the ring as we were going up and I saw him come in the ring. I was like, Oh, this is going to look awesome. We hit, he bounced and then he slid back out. So that was all live one take. The only thing were those two little angles. Um, but, you know, you got you to gotta try. You got to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, especially during a weird time like right now. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it, it was absolutely, it was, it, yeah, like you said, like it, it's a good time to try something new. And, and it kept me personally engaged, kind of trying to see like, oh, what, what other kind of visual uh, tricks would they they try so i I always appreciate yeah that sort of thing and and i i think it works better if it's not a straight wrestling match like it works for the boneyard match and it works for like uh you know the fiend stuff it can even work for this raw underground stuff but i think for ours ours just needed to be a straight wrestling match without any gimmicky camera angles so like i said those like i think it's a second in total but that second really bugs me (laughs) <laughs> because it almost takes away from what we did. Well, if I could you know, be a, a contrarian, I think it's because like that the the first time you see it is like in that in the uh, when you guys do the not the headline when you guys first lock up 
there was the the under undershot and it was like right at the beginning and, and as a viewer i'm like whoa this is whoa like i've never seen this shot before like they're really kind of yeah. going for it you know uh so perhaps maybe if, it, if it, like a shot like that was a little later in the match it wouldn't immediately kind of like <laughs> you know kind of shot that shocking you know but to me my idea was if we're gonna do it we gotta put it there so people know because if you do it halfway through, it's going to be like, wait a second, what was that? We were totally into it. And then that. So that's why there was one early and then one later. But I, I think it was better without either. Because like I said, Randy and I went out there for 50 minutes straight through. And, and you know, I, I wrestled 50 minutes after almost nine and a half years without having a match like that. But then it's, well, you did multiple takes. Like, well, no, we didn't actually. We there's two add-ins that got that were done after that got added in, but you know it is what it is. I'm just a perfectionist. Well, it, I mean your passion always comes through, and and as a as a longtime fan, I have to say, like there were periods where my fandom wasn't like the most passionate about WWE uh, in general, but I felt like when if like you were in the main event, it's like, well, I know that match will be good, you know, like like no, like you you've kind of built this reputation and this this brand of 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 having great matches with no matter the opponent and and it, it really shines through i think and and you can even tell now with how passionate you're talking about the sport match yeah yeah i mean it's i care about my um the works that i put out there you know and, and like any band i'm sure they they want to try stuff you know if you go back to like load and unload it's not like i was trying stuff and i get it i get why you know, do you like it as much as Master of Puppets? Well, no. You know, me personally, I don't. But I understand why they did it and why they tried. Because you have to, if you just stay in that same box, not only is it going to get boring, but, you know, there's only so many times you can spin that same wheel. Absolutely. And I, I also, like, one I, one thing that I feel you could relate to is, you know, like, I will come up to a musician after a show being like, wow, that was amazing. You guys are so good. And they would be like, really? I messed up here, here, and here. <laughs> I feel like like that's something yeah. that wrestlers probably share with music. It's just any creative person. You will always just remember the mistakes and not the greater picture of the match in general. At least initially, I think you, you, you focus on those things. But then when you take a step back and, and give it time and go, okay there's always going to be something, you know, and I think any creative person, they're going to initially dwell on that something just because you want it to be exactly how you envisioned it. And if it's not that, then it's going to bother you if you care. But I, I, I do think most, most care, which is why, you know, they'll say that, you know, ah, I don't know. I miss this chord. I miss that. And, you know, the same thing. You're right. Uh, I, I did want to ask, I saw something online that, you, that, uh, your input is being requested for for raw and, and that like you're kind of recommending guys to push or, or, or something like that is that true are you are you like watching and saying give this guy a little nudge no i'm i'm watching basically to see who who i could possibly help whether that's in terms of promos whether that's in terms of of fleshing out character and and i do see a lot of guys uh, and girls uh, that, oh, okay, there's something here. I don't know if they've just fully figured out what it is yet. And maybe I could help them figure that out. You know, um, maybe I could help them with their promos and, and help them, you know, kind of figure out exactly what they're trying to bring to the table in terms of their character. And that to me is where I feel like I can help uh, the most, you know, while I'm out. And having had, you know, 28 years of experience in this thing that, that is wrestling, right? So, um, you know, I floated that out there as like, if, if anybody wants to take me up on this, I'm, I'm here to try and help do that. And, and that to me is really exciting because I didn't just come back to collect a paycheck. I, I really do want to come back and try and help further the product and help talent that I feel whether it's underutilized or whether it's just on the cusp of something, but trying to figure it out. And, and I might see something and go, Ooh, okay. Right. That right there. If we can take that, magnify that, focus on that. And um, that's where I feel like I can, you know, be really helpful. That's really cool. And, and I, th I think 
you're someone perfect for that because you have done so many different personas. You know, like I remember just watching when you and, and Christian kind of developed the the goofier stuff, which I was such a big fan of. Uh, yeah. and, and then you transitioned to the more like you said, like the more Guns and Roses rated R guys. So uh, who are some of the like, as, as you mentioned earlier, like you said, you also are, are doing research seeing like, oh, I want to work with this guy. Like, who are who are people that are getting you excited to get back from your injury and get back in the ring and, and that you'd want to lock up with? Well, it's interesting because I know a lot of people like questioned why Randy and I, uh, why this all started with Randy. And to me, it had to start with Randy because I had to see where I was at. And I had to see where I was at with someone that I absolutely trusted and felt comfortable with, but I also knew could push me. And Randy's that guy, you know, um, there's so much history there. It just felt like the natural starting point. And I knew we'd get to all of these other matches that you never thought would happen. And so if I look at raw, there's, you know, there's Seth Rollins, obviously that, that, that's a gimme. It it has to happen. Um, there, there's, uh, you know, AJ that has to happen. Um, and all the years that we've been in the industry, that never happened, you know, um, Roman Reigns, I think that match and those promos, that's an instance where I say, I feel like I could help someone find that thing that is in them, but they just haven't tapped into yet. That to me is, is a big one right there. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I could do with Bray Wyatt, uh, just outside the box stuff would be so much fun. And then there's there's a lot of guys that I feel, you know, there's the Cesaros of the world. I feel like Ali, uh, you know, I look at NXT and there's like Damian Priest, Balor's down there, you know, and then there's Matt Riddle. And then there's, you know, I never really had proper singles matches with a guy like Sheamus. And then you can revisit Jeff Hardy. And there's just so much to be able to do and so many exciting ways to go um that that's fun man i mean i can i can almost look at the entire roster and every matchup feels fresh because i was gone for nine years you know it not only is a a match with jeff hardy almost new again but then you get guys that i've already mentioned that i've never even touched and been in there with and um i'm I'm looking forward to all of that it really is going to be fun yeah, honestly, I was just getting some goosebumps thinking about some of those. Like even just a, a rework, Jeff Hardy. Feel like you guys always had amazing matches. Like even his uh, the feud you had over the, I believe it was the World Championship. That was like that was my favorite feud yeah. of the, that year. And you mentioned Seth Rollins, and that just totally triggered a memory. Like you kind of made Seth Rollins. Like you, you. You were like the Mick Foley role, like what Mick Foley was for Randy Orton all those years ago. I feel like you kind of were that role for Seth Rollins when he was coming up and doing his Money in the Bank uh, thing where you guys did that angle where he was going to break your neck. Like that was such a amazing angle and such a huge way to put him over to get him to the next level. And and that right there is already me. Well, that was always my... Um Anytime they asked me to come back, I said, the only way I want to come back is if it's going to get someone over, get them heat and mean something. I don't want to come back and just do the promo of the week and, and all of these things. So that's, that was one of those instances. I mean, fast forward to me and Becky in the ring and that promo was meant to put Becky over. And, and that's really what I wanted to do because at that point I didn't think I could wrestle, but I thought, well, if nothing else, with some form of cachet from all of those years, uh, maybe somebody else can get over. Like you said, like Mick Foley, you know, coming back to help me, to, to help Randy, to further along, uh, you know, a generation of guys. And that's what I assumed my role was if I came back. And so now I can take it and, and even further that because now I can get in there with them. And that's how I can really, really help more than any other way is to be in there with the people and try and tap into some of the things. Um, I mean, some of them don't need it. They're already there, which is just going to be a night off and it'll be so much fun. But I I see a a group of talent that I feel like haven't scratched the surface on where they can get to. And that to me is really fun to help them try and get there. I just remembered the match you had with Mick Foley at uh, WrestleMania. And was that flaming table spot like the scariest thing 
You've, what was let, let me do it this way. What was scarier, that spot or the spot at uh, WrestleMania, I believe, seventeen, where you speared a dangling <laughs> Jeff Hardy uh, off the off the like hanging on the belts? Um, definitely the flaming table. You know, the the one with Jeff Hardy. You know, we I didn't even really think about it. It just you know, it was WrestleMania and we're, we're going to do this. And that was that there, there was no real fear or thought or, <laughs> or any kind of thought about the, the repercussions of physically, there, none of that. Um, and even with the Mick thing, I didn't fully grasp it until I was running to hit the ropes. And I realized I don't have a shirt on. Mick has three shirts on. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> That's when it really dawned on me as I was hitting the ropes to come back to spear him. That was really the, the first time where it all started kind of the, the gravity of this situation started, uh, you know, dawning on me. And, you know, I, I clipped my foot on the ropes. It, it could have ended horribly um, for both of us, but especially for me, because I was going face first into that. You know, and and that was another thing I didn't really factor into the equation. Like Mick's going through back first. That sucks. Don't get me wrong. I was going in face first. How do I do this? <laughs> so if you watch back, I basically just tucked my head in as hard as I could into Mick's stomach and just hoped for the best. And even then, I still singed my eyebrows, still singed off a chunk of hair. All the uh, I got burned. You know, the hair on my arms and hands were gone. You know, it, it, uh, it's weird when you're crawling over to cover someone and all you can smell is yourself burning. <laughs> is that like one of those moments? Like, what is my job? What am I? You know, and, and all I'm thinking is somebody's got to call my mom. <laughs> somebody's got to <laughs> tell her I'm all right. That's what's going through my head as I'm walking to the back, you know, and, uh, and I just remember seeing fans like looking at me, not real, like, and, and reacting like I was, you know, Jason Voorhees with an ax in my head or something. I was like, what's going on? And then I look back and I see like the blood went into my eye. So it made it look all sorts of horrendous. And uh, when I saw it back, I said, oh, okay, that's why people really freaked out. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. But honestly, from a physical standpoint, the one that might have had me thinking more than, than either of those was uh, the, the AA off the top of a ladder through two tables with Cena in a TLC match. That one, that one I knew if my feet hit the ropes at all. I could really, really end up in a bad way. Mm. And again, it was my idea. So I had the confidence in myself and then the confidence in John to, to be able to do that. And that's one though, you, you watch back and I'm tucking those feet to try to not clip that top rope as I'm coming down. And it caused me to basically land on my tailbone. Um, so that was one that I, I, I put a little bit of thought in beforehand and just went, can this work? And I still had that question mark until I landed. That, that was another feud where I feel like you kind of uh, made John uh, in the sense that uh, as like a smart mark at the time, like I hated John Cena. I, I felt like he was uh, over pushed. It's like, you know, all, all the stuff, which I'm sure you had, you were like the anti John Cena. And, and, and even though you were a heel, yeah. like to me, I was rooting for you. Like you were the face to me. And, and it, it, it got me, so engaged that it honestly it took a few years for me to realize how had I had been <laughs> like like how you guys had me <laughs> you know like how I was I was being a mark you know like I was I was I bought into it just not the story I thought was being given to me. Well, it's interesting because I my goal was always to get one hundred percent of the audience to hate me, and I realized that things were changing enough, and that was going to be hard to pull off. And I, I remember talking to Vince about it. He goes, "Don't worry." You and John are the Red Sox and the Yankees. And when he put it to me that way, then it became easier. Uh, okay, I, I do my thing. And my thing is always going to try and be to, to be the most hated guy in the room. If, if that's my job at that current point. And, but if it 
doesn't happen, it's purely because of what you just said. Some of the fan base is going to go, this guy is so pushed down our throats that I'm going to revolt against that. And if you revolted against that, I was that guy. Hogan needed Piper. And John needed that someone. And, And I feel like I was that first someone anyway. That's a great analogy. You were definitely like the Piper to his Hogan. A final question. I just wanted to know, like, how are you doing with your injury? Like, are you recovering all right? Is it, how's life at home? <laughs> are you going stir crazy? You doing all right? Doing all right, man. I mean, especially all things considered, I, I have no, no room to complain at all. You know, my, my, I have this amazing quality time with my girls. And that's how I'm trying to look at it is you look at the positives, right? I mean, the world is going through some crazy stuff right now. And it can be a a really negative black hole if you go down it. So I've really just been focusing on the positives. Like I'm home, I'm with my girls. They get a lot of quality dad time that a lot of dads don't have the opportunity to be there for. So I'm really just blessed and thankful that, that we have that. And, you know, it's, it's given me a chance to get some stuff done that I, you know, was on the back burner. I just didn't have time to get to, or I'm preparing and trying to get back into spandex shape at 46 years old, or (laughs) that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. So a lot of things get put, you know, on the back of the stove and, and I'm able to get to those things now. Uh, recuperation's going good. You know, um, I, I, it's, you know, the first today is two months and the first two months are kind of, there's not a lot to do. You really just have to let it heal and let the surgery take. And I think from this point going forward, now I'm, I'm going to get the clearance to start going after it and pushing it. And that's what I do best, honestly, um, in terms of injuries, that's what I've always, you know, kind of done best. And, and, um, for whatever reason, when it comes to injuries, my mindset, I, I don't get depressed. I just look at it as a challenge. And when you look at it as a challenge, it's just one more thing to try and conquer and come back from. And that to me is really, it's strangely exciting to, to go, okay, this is another one. Got it. No problem. Once I can really, uh, you know, put the nose to the grindstone and go after this thing, that's, it's all in a weird way. It's almost fun. I mean, honestly, that's very inspiring to hear that. that that's cool that you have such a, a positive outlook. And, and final question, if you could bring any musician from the rock world in, to be your tag team partner for one night, who would it be? My gosh, man. I mean, Peter Steele would have been a great yes! partner. Because if you look at that dude's head, it was pretty much identical to mine. So, I mean, picture that tag team. I think he was like 6'6 six, six or something, right? Yeah. So you, you put him with that all black, very pale, and then me with basically the same head, blonde and tanned, that's a pretty interesting looking tag team. <laughs> so um, I think that would have been cool. And I also, I have to say, because he's just an insane berserker, Zach. Yes. I mean, if there's one thing I know, if, if, if I'm going into a tag team match with Zach Wild, that dude has my back. <laughs> and, and my back is going to be covered for sure. And I'm part of the Toronto chapter. So it, we 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 uh, I think we'd do some damage together. I love that. That's so awesome, Edge. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I've been such a huge fan of your start, your whole career. Followed it. I read your WWE.com column, the education of Adam Copeland. Big fan. It, oh abs- my gosh! <laughs> absolute honor to finally talk to you and, and just hang out for an hour. And I, I hope everything heals correctly and, and you're back in the ring and, and crushing it again. Can't wait to see you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. This this was fun. This is nice. Thank you. I appreciate that as well. It, it was a great convo. Wasn't that just so cool? I almost didn't want to hang up on him. I wanted to just talk even more to Edge because it's fucking Edge and he was absolutely like in my top five growing up and just I had such respect for him and I, I always knew like I, I, I'm pretty sure I said during the interview that like if Edge is out there it's going to be a fun segment and uh, there's been a lot of fun segments in pro wrestling lately it's wrestling is, is picking back up in the WWE scene I'm 
really intrigued by the Roman Reigns Paul Heyman storyline, and I like that it's moving a little slowly. I like that. Uh, I like now that they kind of aren't as worried about pay-per-view buy rates that they sometimes have these world title matches that you wouldn't necessarily see on a pay-per-view a few years ago. Like I like this Roman Reigns, uh, Jey Uso few that they're they're kind of working on here and uh i like how he's slowly going to turn on his cousin to be a heel and it's crazy it's it's still a little wild to me that roman reigns is a heel like i almost don't believe it but at the same time i wonder why they waited so long but you can't think like that it's just you got to accept what what's going on got to be a wrestling fan in the present and and i'm with it i'm really into the i'm really into the storyline and I'm curious who his next challengers will be like. I'm, I'm curious for his like big hot programs, and uh, and I'm just happy that Paul Heyman is back on screen because Paul Heyman always delivers. And another person that I feel like really has been delivering as of late is Bailey. Bailey has been, you know, when she and Sasha Banks were the women's tag team champions, I was really just like into. They were on every show and they were killing it. They were crushing it, and it was great. And uh, the breakup angle I thought was so good. And I'm so happy for them that they're doing it. It's in a way, it's a bummer that there's no fans uh, because I, I do want that reaction. But it's still really, really fun, and they're doing a great job. And it's the best feud in WWE right now. So I'm really liking that. I'm liking Alexa Bliss's slow transformation. Uh, on the Raw side, I really like. I'm big into Dominic Mysterio. I'm so happy for him. I feel like I'm living vicariously <laughs> through him in a way. And it's just like, he's so, he does not fuck up. He's really, really good. And he really steps up to the plate. And it's very impressive how good he's done so far. Uh, the angle itself, I'm kind of like, it, it, it goes in waves for me. But the matches have been really, really fun. Uh, I'm really happy for Keith Lee to be on Raw. I'm a huge Keith Lee fan. And it's cool that he's just right in the main event picture. He's kind of figured out his gear. I guess he's still working on the entrance theme. <laughs> but uh, I'm happy for him, and I hope he stays in the main event. And I'm happy for Drew. I think Drew is doing a really, really good job. And it's a it's it's been a while, I feel, since WWE has had a face world champion where I'm rooting for the face. Like, I'm a Drew McIntyre fan. Like, I want him to win. I'm not ironically rooting for the heel i want randy orton to lose so watch now randy Orton's gonna win but we'll see we'll see what happens the the pay-per-view is shaping up there should be some fun matches on that and uh elsewhere in the wrestling world there's a lot of great stuff AEW has been on fire i've really been enjoying their wednesday shows every week i've i don't really watch too much of their secondary show dark uh just because i feel like uh sometimes i'm just like i need a break from wrestling <laughs> i've been watching too much wrestling you know it, just because now it's almost on every night or like last week i guess it was because nxt was on uh tuesday but i was totally into uh aw the dynamite show and i'm really into what they're doing on dark i like that even though i don't have to watch it every week it's nice that they're giving some of these lower card wrestlers a, a place to kind of uh, have some mini storylines and, and explore their characters and, and work some matches. So that's been really cool. And on the main show, uh, I'm really curious about this Kenny Omega and Hangman Page feud. Like, what are they doing here? What are they doing with the tag team titles? There, there's some interesting pieces being positioned on AEW. But the thing I'm most excited about right now, at this very moment in pro wrestling, is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the New Japan G1 Tournament. Now, uh, if you've heard me talking about New Japan, if you've heard your friends talking about New Japan, and you're just like, I don't know when to start, when to get in, like, how do I follow the storylines? What do I do? This is the time to do it. The G1 just started this weekend, and it started with two WrestleMania-esque <laughs> for New Japan, like a New Japan-level WrestleMania-esque cards because some of the lineups are great. So what the G1 is, to quickly explain it, if you've never heard of it, it's two, it's 20 wrestlers split into two blocks. So two blocks of 10, and it's a round-robin tournament. So each wrestler has nine matches against all the other nine competitors in their blocks. So once all the nine matches happen, 
the people with the best records win those blocks and advance to the G1 final where the block winners face each other. And then that winner is the winner of the G1. The G1 is the most prestigious tournament in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And by winning it, you grant yourself an immediate access to the main event in New Japan's version of WrestleMania, which is called Wrestle Kingdom. And it's almost like a money in the bank thing because you get a briefcase from the time the G1 ends to Wrestle Kingdom, which which is in January. You actually defend your number one contendership like it would be a title or the money in the bank. And But however, nobody has ever won the briefcase in one of those defenses. It's always been the G1 winner that goes to the end. Now, if you do follow New Japan, you know how crazy it is that on the first night, it's Okada versus Ibushi. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's going to be nuts. It's going to be... This whole tournament is going to be great. They've brought in some foreigners who have been quarantining. And all the foreigners they brought in are incredible. Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, uh, Jay White. Oh, and uh, Juice Robinson. And I'm just really excited. It's a, it's a really, really fun time to be a wrestling fan. It's a nice distraction. You know, I do miss going to shows. I miss going to wrestling shows. I miss going to metal shows. But at, at least there's a ton of stuff to watch. There's bands doing live streams. There's wrestling on. Plenty of ways to keep yourself entertained. And of course, you can keep yourself entertained listening to Squared Circle Pit. How about that? Uh, of course, you can listen to all the archives at metalinjection.net slash Squared Circle Pit. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed them. And you can give me a follow at Rob Injection on all social media. And um, my promise to you is it will not take another five weeks for a new Squared Circle Pit episode. So be on the lookout. There's going to be a ton of new episodes in the near future.